Psalm 31, beginning in the fifth verse, says, Into your hand I commit my spirit. You have ransomed me, O Lord, God of truth. Be gracious to me, O Lord, for I am in distress. My eye is wasted away from grief, my soul and my body also, for my life is spent with sorrow and my years with sighing. My strength has failed because of my iniquity and my body has wasted away because of all my adversaries. I have become a reproach, especially to my neighbors and an object of dread to my acquaintances. Those who see me in the street flee from me. I am forgotten as a dead man, out of mind. I am like a broken vessel. For I have heard the slander of many. Terror is on every side while they took counsel together against me. They schemed to take away my life. But as for me, I trust in you, O Lord. I say you are my God. My times are in your hands. Deliver me from the hand of my enemies and from those who would persecute me. Make your face shine upon your servant Save me in your loving kindness. And from the Gospel of Luke. <coughs> and Jesus, crying out with a loud voice, said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Having said this, he breathed his last. Now, when the centurion saw what had happened, he began praising God, saying, certainly, this man was innocent. And all the crowds who came together for this spectacle, when they observed what had happened, began to return, beating their breasts. And all of his acquaintances and the women who accompanied him from Galilee were standing at a distance, seeing these things. Would you pray with me? Good and gracious Father, thank you for the call to be in your house of worship today. Thank you for the privilege of bowing our heads and humbling our hearts and centering ourselves before the throne of grace. And we confess all of these things are possible a life and a hope of abundance and, and the promise of eternity are all made possible through the cross of Christ. We humble ourselves today, Father, to hear your Holy Spirit breathe through us once again. Change us as we look fully at the cross. Help us not to turn away but to be changed. In Jesus' name, amen. This is, of course, Palm Sunday, and on Palm Sunday we celebrate the triumphant entry of Jesus into Jerusalem. But it is also the beginning of what is known as Passion Week, a week that moves so terribly quick from celebration to one of betrayal and torture and seemingly great and cosmic defeat. On Monday, Jesus weeps over Jerusalem, and then he, he goes and cleanses the temple. 
On Tuesday, he pronounces woes upon those who would be his enemy, and later Jesus betrays him. Wednesday night is silent. We have no biblical word of what occurred on that day. But Thursday, he gathers his beloved, his disciples, his apostles together for one last meal, the Passover meal, what we call the Last Supper. Jesus prays in Gethsemane. And there he is seized, or more precisely, we should say that he was willingly handed himself over. Annas and Caiaphas interrogate Jesus all after midnight, all which are illegal, but of course this was never about right or wrong. Things begin to move even faster. About 3 a.m., Peter denies Jesus three times. Three times he denies him. I never knew him. And then looks up directly into the eyes of Jesus. The scripture says that he goes outside and weeps bitterly. Early Friday morning, Jesus is brought before Pilate and then Herod and then back to Pilate. He is beaten and mocked and whipped. And by 9 a.m. on Friday morning, he is on the road to Calvary, to Golgotha. He carries his own cross over shoulders that have been beaten without mercy until he falls under the weight. His hands and feet are pierced and he hangs on the cross for six hours. During those six hours, he makes provision for his mother. He encourages and blesses a thief. He carries the weight of the sins of the world, past, present, and future. Yours and mine. And feels for the first time in all of creation separation from his heavenly father. He struggles to breathe and finally can breathe no more. Can you hear his voice? The last words. Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. It is finished. He dies alone for the most part. As all of the apostles have fled except one. The scriptures record only three women in John who stay and they at a distance. And we wonder where are those that Jesus healed? Where are those that he fed? Where are those that shouted, Hosanna, save us, Lord. Where are those that he loved and poured his life into? Who will stand with him now? Where are all the great professions of faith? Matthew 16, you are the Christ. You are the son of the living God. John 11, therefore Thomas, who was called Didymus, said to his fellow disciples, let us also go so that we may die with him. Matthew 26 Peter said to him, even if I have to die with you, I will not deny you. And all the disciples said the same thing too. But they have all left. And the rest have only come to mock and taunt. As evening approaches on the first Good Friday, Jesus' broken body is laid in a borrowed tomb. I imagine there are some here today that would 
rather focus on the celebration of Palm Sunday and then quickly jump ahead to Easter Sunday. Me too. We have a cultural tendency to avoid suffering and suppress lament, and lament is not encouraged. Lament is kind of bad for business. It's not something that we would do in church if we want our church to grow. It's not good growth strategy. Rather, we should keep it upbeat. We should focus on what meets our needs. We should be more positive, talk about prosperity, a little more fog machine, and turn up the bass. But if we do that, what happens when we are betrayed? When our health fails, when we feel isolated and alone, what words will we include in our prayers? And probably far more important, how can we truly celebrate resurrection morning, the victory on Easter day, if we do not understand and appreciate the cosmic battle and the passion of the Christ? How will we worship and offer heartbroken thanks if we do not know? What will compel us to obey? In 2004, you may remember a movie entitled The Passion of the Christ. Do you remember? Mel Gibson directed it and Jim Caviezel, he portrayed Jesus. If you do remember, you probably remember the incredible maelstrom of controversy that surrounded the movie. Do you remember? There were some that said that it was just anti-Jewish. It was too hard on the Jews. And, and, and some said it was kind of celebrated violence. It was far too violent. I don't agree with any of those things. What I do remember about the movie is sitting there in the dark and looking up at the screen and every once in a while, maybe you were the same way, just having to turn away my face and close my eyes because it was too much. But I also remember in those moments thinking to myself, no, you must turn and look because this was for you. This is love. And I and we must bear witness and in the witnessing be changed. What does the cross say to you this morning? What does it call you to? The cross is so casually worn these days, it seems. I see more tattoos of the cross on all kinds of men's body parts than I've ever seen before. They wear it around their neck and you have to wonder, does it really mean anything to them? Of course, women wear it too. They wear it in their ears, around their neck. I've even seen one that pierced a woman's navel. You have to wonder, what does it mean? Choirs sing. Congregations, we sing about the beauty of the cross. We raise our hands. We are lost in a moment. But does it call us to change? Does it call us to love? Does it call us to live as Jesus did? After all, Jesus said, if anyone wishes to come after me, and don't we all wish to come after him? If anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself and take up 
his cross and follow me daily. And certainly these are more than just flowery words. I've chosen three things today that the cross of Jesus calls us to do. I'm sure there are many more, but these are the things that I am drawn to today. The first one is this. We are called to love those who don't deserve it to include forgiveness. John 13, 34 says, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another even as I have loved you, that you also love one another. In John, Jesus says to all who would follow him, I gave you an example that you also should do as I did to you. And from the very cross, Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And they cast lots, dividing up his garments among themselves. We are called to love and to forgive just as we have been forgiven. And I hear the voices. I hear them. I've heard them over the years. Every time I've ever preached, there's always someone that comes up and says, Preacher, you just don't know. You just don't know what I've gone through. And when I remember, I remember one voice so very clearly when I called to, to pray for our enemies. Preacher, at the back door of the church, Preacher, I will never pray for them. Because you just don't know. And do you know what? For the most part, the answer is absolutely, you're right. I don't know. But he knows. I was thinking just this morning, in every kind of conflict I've ever had with anyone, in any way I've ever felt like I've been betrayed, the truth is that almost always I can count my part. I have some responsibility. Sometimes it's great, sometimes it's small. But here, Jesus, the perfect Lamb of God, never sinned and hung on a cross for me and calls from the cross to say, forgive as you have been forgiven. Love as I have loved you. So often in my experience, I, I, I've kind of encountered that we are rather, you know, we're kind of choosy on who we, we choose to forgive and who we choose to love. And we have kind of a, a, an idea of that, well, those people, they deserve love, but these people don't. Or uh, these people have suffered enough, they can be forgiven, they repented enough. These people have not, but not Jesus. And the truth is, I know exactly what I deserve. And forgive me, but I know exactly what we all deserve. The scriptures say it, for we have all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. For the wages of sin is death, all but the free gift of Christ is eternal life in our Lord who paid for our sins at the cross. And could I be so bold as to say today this is not optional for Christ followers. 
If we are to call Jesus Lord, he has every right to make demands upon our life. Christ stands with us, knows us, has experienced everything and so much worse, and calls us to forgive and to love. He stands with us. What an incredible gift. And so the question today is, will we stand with him? Secondly, verse 15 of our psalm today says, My times are in your hand. My times are in your hand. And could we just testify today that his hands are good and strong? When Nicodemus and Joseph and Mary and John removed the broken body of Christ from the cross, don't you think not only were their hearts broken, but their, their hope and, and their, their idea for the future, all of those were dead and gone. They could not understand what had happened. When Peter ran to the tomb and stuck his head inside, do you, do you think he understood the entire story? There was nothing that had ever happened like this before. They could not see. And, and, and beloved, sometimes neither can we. We can't see sometimes what's going on and how God is working and all we feel is the, the pain and it would be easy to, to cry out, where are you, Lord, in all of this? But the psalmist said, and Jesus chose to pray these very words for the cross, but as for me, I trust you. You are my God. My times are in your hands. There's an old expression, you know it as well as I when I can't see God's hands, I will trust in his heart. When I can't see God's hands, I will trust in his heart. The cross at first looks like a, a terrible means of torture. It is vile. At the cross, we lost the Savior. Yet as children of the King, we know more. And as children of the King, we're called to have the long view of our life because through the cross, we know that Christ will reign and we with him. He is working in us in ways that we cannot even imagine. My life verse, Philippians 1.6 says, For I am confident of this very thing. He who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus. And the truth is, sometimes we look at the challenges in our life and they seem like trials and tribulations. And we want to cry out, where are you? Why have you forsaken me? But the cross reminds us when we cannot see his hand, we can trust his heart. My times are in your hand, and his hands are good and strong. My times are in your hand. And brothers and sisters, that is enough. Finally, and perhaps best of all, we could pray our way into the small circle that remained with Jesus at the cross. Today, we can overcome our first reaction to look away. We can overcome the temptation to skip lightly from Palm Sunday to Easter resurrection morning. We can stop our running and overcome our fear and choose to stand with him as he stands with us. We have sung all morning about the cross. We have read scriptures from the cross. 
without asking a thing, asking for anything, we can come to the cross without wondering what's in it for me and simply open our eyes and our hands and our heart and confess along with the centurion, truly this is the Son of God. And as countercultural as it seems, this morning we can allow the cross of Christ to break our hearts. Allow the cross of Christ to humble your spirit. It is good, it is right to allow the cross to change you and transform you. Look fully at the cross. The cross of Jesus. And then ask, Lord God, because you have done this for me, what can I do for you? Lord God, bid me come. Jesus, Jesus, here am I. Send me. Would you pray with me? May we say his name together. Jesus. May his name fill our sanctuary. Jesus. The name which is above all names. Jesus. Jesus. We cry out to you. And in this moment we remember what you have done. Forgive us. Forgive us for the ways that we have fallen short. And help us to embrace the cross of Christ. May it change us, transform us. May it deepen our love for you. We pray these things in his holy name, in the name of Jesus, amen.